I'm Chris Carter, host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. And now that day two is complete of the NFL draft, we're going to go over how the Steelers made out. And man, Omar Khan made a killing. Special episode here of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel to get all your daily episodes. I'm done giving an intro because, my goodness, Omar Khan, he is on fire with what he's done for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Getting Broderick Jones in the first round, my top offensive tackle on my big board. Getting Joey Porter Jr. with the 32nd overall pick. I had him ranked as a mid-round, mid-first round pick. And then to fill out the rest of the second round, the rest of the day two, at 49, he stays pat and gets Keanu Benton, a defensive lineman I personally loved. What loved his senior his, his senior bowl, uh, loved his senior season or his last season at Wisconsin. 6'4", 309. This guy's huge. He play, he can play the defensive tackle position. I think he's a guy that we'll, we'll get to more in his analysis later, but I think he's a guy that fits exactly what the Steelers are looking for for a future defensive lineman who can someday take the torch from Hayward and Oak and Joby and be the next generation of Steelers defensive line starters with him and DeMarvin Leal. Then, I, you guys know how big I was on Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. He kept falling and falling. We'll get into the knee injury concerns that played into that. But then they nab him at 93 while trading back to get to get to get him at 93 from 80 and picking up a fourth round pick at, at 132, just 12 spots back from where they traded away their fourth round pick to get go get Broderick Jones. I just I just got one observation here that I think that no one's actually thought about. If you ever walked in Omar Khan's closet, is it just with black air forces? Because this man is out here robbing people. And I'm dead serious when I say this, y'all. Omar Khan is killing his first full NFL draft process. And yes, Andy Weidel plays a big role in this. Mike Tomlin, the whole front office deserves credit for th this. And I'm not saying that this draft class is automatically going to win Super Bowls and all this. But I'm telling you right now how I evaluate draft classes. I hate to give like letter grades and stuff right away. But as far as how I looked at these draft, this draft class, how I graded these players, both on their tape that we saw in college and on their measurables in the combine and on what we were hearing about how teams felt about them through the interview process and how smart they were uh, or how, how you know they responsive they were to their questions. All of these players are very high value picks for the Steelers. And we're going to get into how all this plays out because this isn't just about Benton and Washington. But to give you a full perspective, and I tweeted this out on my Twitter account at Carter Critiques, but to give you a full perspective on how high I how well I think the Steelers did in this draft class, I in my rankings, the big board rankings, and I'll even show you the rankings here. So you know I'm not lying to you or making this up just to make this seem better. I had each of their their four picked players here in the first three rounds. Broderick Jones, Joy Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, and Darnell Washington, all in my top 33 ranked prospects 
for this NFL draft class. Don't believe me? Here's my big board because I never even deleted it because I figured I might need to bring it up at, back at some point. There you can see Broderick Jones if you're watching here on YouTube at the number eight spot. You can see Joey Porter Jr. at the number 15 spot. Then you can go down and get the you can go down and get the rest of, after that 26. Uh, there's Darnell Washington. I had him ranked at 28th. And then there's Keanu Benton at 33. And again, this is not to say that that's the gospel and that's what they actually are ranking or anything like that. This is just my opinion on how I studied, studied these guys. And by and large, if you got four top 33 players and one of them you got with a 93rd pick and you really didn't lose much draft capital at all in any moves that you made, my goodness, Omar Khan is cooking. He's just uh, this, this. This has been phenomenal to amass this kind of talent. Let's break down a few things here. One, Keanu Benton, not a premier pass rusher just yet, but go look at his tape in 2021 when he was primarily just a big, tough run stuffer, and then go look how he changed in 2022 when he added on some pass rush moves. He got more adept at pass rushing. He's not clean there yet. He still has work to do there, but you see progress there. He's still a tough run stuffer. He's still going to take on double teams. This is why I really thought that he would be a really good pick because he has long arms. He's physical. He can, he can keep offensive linemen at bay. And he could, and now he's learned how to get after the quarterback a little bit better. He had six sacks for Wisconsin last year up the middle. And there's no pressure on him to start right now. Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi, they are your starters right now. And probably at least for the next two years. So him and DeMarvin Leal can just be there and just and just work and be backups and work and, and develop. And then in two, three years time, if they're ready to take the helm, they're ready to take the helm. And if not, we see how that goes. But I think that they both are very good picks. If you know me from last year, I was very high on DeMarvin Leal. I think that he can, and I think that he had a decent rookie season, even with his injury. But Keanu Benton at 49, perfect value. I didn't think that they should take him at 32, even though I had him ranked as my 33rd player in this draft process. I thought that in my big board, because I did think that he would slip a tip to the 40s. Wasn't sure if he'd slip to 49. But then I, if you were watching along, I was with the, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We did a live stream throughout the entire second day of the draft. And when, when the 49th pick came up, I was sitting there saying, man, either Darnell Washington or Keanu Benton is a win for, for them. And somehow the Steelers got both. And I said that about the Joey Porter pick, the Joey Porter Jr. pick, because Broderick Jones, we went into the whole draft process. And I talked, I know I talked about this with the Broderick Jones episode and a little bit with the Joey Porter Jr. episode, but we talked about this whole draft class. You know, in the first round, you wanted to get one of the top three tackles or one of the top three corners, at least in how I had graded them. And Broderick Jones was one of the top three tackles. Joey Porter Jr. And Broderick Jones to me was the top tackle in my book. Joey Porter Jr. was the third corner in my book. And somehow they got both. So you have four picks in the top 80 here. Well, top 93 now because they traded out of the 80th spot here. And you got four guys who either I graded as first round picks or high second round picks. That is insane value that the Steelers are getting right now. I think Steelers fans take a step back and look. There's always warts that you can find in every pick. Joey Porter Jr. Need, isn't, isn't, doesn't have great recovery speed and needs to learn how to turn and run better when, with good separators and good route runners. Keanu Benton needs to be a sharper pass rusher. Darnell Washington has a lot of, pay, I think, uh, polishing to do in his receiving game. Broderick Jones has polishing to do in his pass protection. But all these things are very coachable things. These aren't 
high ceiling, low or high floor, low ceiling type of guys who you're hoping that they can turn into mutants and, and be superstars someday. No, these are players that I think they have the the foundation that you want to work with. They have the build, they have the athletic capabilities, and they've shown the 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 potential to be freakish players. I think Joey Porter Jr., we've seen how physical he can be and how he can disrupt routes for big receivers, small receivers. He's six foot three, runs a four, four, six. He could be your guy that lives on the outside. And again, he can learn behind Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, and Akella Witherspoon uh, when he gets to training camp and even OTAs in a couple weeks. Keanu Benton can learn behind the Steelers defensive line. Darnell Washington can learn behind the Steelers tight ends. Because uh, Pat Frymuth and Zach Gentry, they have experience. They know the offense. Darnell Washington, uh, we'll get into the whole knee thing in the, in the next segment here in a second. But Darnell Washington doesn't have to start if, the, if, if they don't need to. If he, if he does start, great. Now, Broderick Jones, I do think, is going to start. But, again, I, I think that he's capable of, of taking that on and being that guy and developing sooner rather than later. All in all, y'all, I, I just I put a very high value on these picks here. And I, I think that they have done a really good job you being patient, waiting for the board to fall, but also being aggressive when they needed to be. They did that with Roderick Jones in the first round. They fielded calls for Joey Porter Jr. From what we heard from Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the Steelers didn't get anything other than like a fourth round pick. I'm glad they didn't trade out of it because that wasn't worth it, in my opinion. And somehow they still get the fourth round pick by trading down in the third round in only 13 spots. Omar Khan, where are your black forces? I swear I saw him the other day. He was walking down Fifth Avenue downtown. He was wearing black forces because he just robs people. My goodness, the Steelers are on fire right now. And, and again, I, I look back and I, I'm going to keep evaluating these guys. I want to give you guys more of my thoughts on Darnell Washington in a bit. But these are all players who I think fit what the Steelers are trying to do. And if you've been following as an everydayer here in the Locked On Steelers podcast, you know what I'm talking about. I'll get more on that in just a second here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Stick with us. I'm, Chris, I'm your host, Chris Carter. I'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're continuing our show here. Just my general reactions to their how they handled the second day of the NFL draft and how they now look into day three of the NFL draft after the first two days. Um, one thing I emphasized all offseason leading into this, and even before the offseason, we talked about this with Josh Taylor. We talked about this with a lot of different people, Alan Saunders, a lot of guests on the show. If you've been an everyday who's been following along, you know all the guests that I've talked about this with. But the Steelers have been becoming a team that can run the ball and play aggressive defense and take advantage of defenses that have been morphing to be smaller, quicker, faster to take on some of these high-octane passing offenses like the Chiefs, like the Bills, like the Bengals. And in doing so, they are drafting and developing guys who are smaller and aren't as astute at stopping the run. And Mike Tomlin said this at the owners' meetings. We brought this back up in late March. You can go back to the episode if you want to. But Mike Tomlin noticed more and more teams 
are starting to develop teams and rosters that have mauling offensive lines, running capability. If you feel like you don't have the Patrick Mahomes, the superstar quarterback on your roster, you got to be a strong running team that plays really good defense. And that's going to be your best counterpunch to teams like that. And that's teams like the 49ers teams, even like the Eagles though, Jalen hurts, I think has developed into that quarterback for them, but they've have the offensive line and the defense to be able to control games and out physical opponents. And they were able to bang with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And I think the Steelers have been trying to build to that point. They wanted to reinforce the offensive line. Now you have Isaac Samalo next to Broderick Jones on the left side with Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chuk Sikorafor. That's an offensive line that can go bully people now. I think Broderick Jones, he, he does need refining his pass pro. But in his run blocking, he pancakes people. And now with Darnell Washington and Pat Fryermuth as options and you still have Zach Gentry here for, for however long Darnell Washington needs to develop. But the idea that you can have both of those guys on the field as vertical receiving threats while also being blocking threats, that's going to create mismatches, especially for those teams that have those small, that have those smaller options on the field. Either you got safeties and corners who aren't going to be able to come up and, and get, get through their, their blocks, or you got linebackers who won't be able to keep up with them in space. And it gives you a chance to set the tone on your terms. And then Najee Harris and Jalen Warren can get going in the run game. And then if they get going in the run game, you can hit him with play action. And all of a sudden, those tight ends are a receiving threat while also still having to deal with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. This is the balance I've been saying that they needed to get. And again, Darnell Washington was a guy that I thought that if they had they if they were going to take him, they had to take him at 32. Then when he fell to 49, like, well, they got to take him at 49. And then because of this knee inflammation thing that came up, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second here, but he, he fell to nine all the way down to 93, and the Steelers took him there. That is incre- incredible value. Now, let's explain what happened with this knee situation here. There were everyone was asking. Why is Darnell Washington falling? No one had an answer. There, there were there were FCS tight ends being picked ahead of him. And everyone was wondering, okay, did he get in trouble with the law? Did he get, you know, is, is, is he tearing ACL? Is he missing an ACL? What's happening here? And Darnell Washington, when speaking with Pittsburgh media, said, you know, basically, like, I had some knee inflammation, but it's not that big a deal. So the speculation that we have here is that maybe teams saw a six foot seven. 260 pound dude and said mm, slight knee injury that that's going to turn into a big knee injury we're staying away from that we're going to get these other guys that we value here because this is a, a deep draft class for especially day two of the nfl draft but man falling away in the 93 that to me is a steal of a value and here's again the thing is at 93 if darnell washington was the pick at 32 or 49 there'd be more pressure on him to, to play early on because of the value of picking him and what he does there but if picking him at 93 the back end of third round if he if, if his knee is an issue and he needs to sit out OTAs and he needs to come into training camp, that's fine. He'll learn. Let him learn. Let him get healthy and then he'll he'll come in and he'll learn and then he'll develop and then you'll see where you go from there. But again, the value of getting a player like that who could project to be a starting tight end and could be a dual tight end threat with Pat Frymuth and then still give you an option with Zach Gentry to have three tight ends. I know some people are saying, what about Connor Hayward? Connor Hayward's an H-back. He's not tall like any of these guys. These guys are all 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", that kind of range. Connor Hayward's more like six foot six one. He's going to be an H-back. He's going to be like Derek, Derek Watt. And that's fine because he's also, I think he's a shifty playmaker or a, a utility player who can fill in a lot of roles for the Steelers. 
But again, darn, you know, I, I go back and I look at these guys. We talked about Benton. We talked about Washington. Joey Porter Jr., not the perfect cornerback prospect, but a good one. And a guy, I think, who had his, his head on straight. And, you know, for all the people that are wondering, well, he's Joey Porter's son. Is he a hothead? No, I think he's more of he's aggressive. He's physical. But in all interviews and talks about him and learning about who he is, he seems like he's a guy that wants to learn, wants to grow, doesn't accept uh, where he is. He's always looking to get better. And that's part of what Terrell Austin, the Steelers defensive coordinator, said about him when he was at when they were when he was asked about it on Friday. Again, all, and again, all these picks behind. Getting Broderick Jones, who I had as the best offensive tackle in this draft class. And again, that might be wrong, but still, I think he was one of the premier offensive tackles in this draft class. And there's going to be, there's going to, there's always nitpicks and things that they need to get better at. And just like every rookie, TJ Watt wasn't a perfect rookie when he came into the Pittsburgh Steelers. He needed to figure out pass rush moves, but it was a very coachable thing. And they coached it up. And now he's the best edge rusher in football. I think Broderick Jones, similarly. He has a lot of a lot of the traits that you want. He needs to be co- he needs to develop some coachable things, especially in pass protection, so that he can be the Steelers' premier left tackle. Joey Porter Jr. I think the, I think some of the things that he does in coverage that are very good. He's very aggressive. There might be some coachable tweaks there where I think that he likes to be aggressive with his hands. Okay, learn how to be aggressive with your hands and not draw the penalty. And he drew less penalties, I believe, in his last year for Penn State. Keanu Benton, I think he has the meanings of a, of a run, run stuffer, but he needs to just be coached up to develop more of his pass rush moves, like T.J. Watt, who was also out of Wisconsin. And then, of course, Darnell Washington, who is a mauler of a, of a run blocker, he I think the biggest thing he needs to just kind of keep continue to improve is his receiving ability. But again, tons of upside, coachable factors that need to, to, that, that can lead to their growth as players. These are the things that I think make this a truly special start to this NFL draft and what could end up being one of the most special NFL draft classes in recent history for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nothing will ever top the 1974 class that had four Hall of Famers drafted and then a fifth when you add on Donnie Shell as an undrafted free agent. But this class could be a huge piece to the Steelers getting back to being contenders sooner rather than later. And again, I think it's a big sign that Omar Khan is cooking up some really interesting stuff here. And Andy Weidel and him, at least on its face of what we see these, these draft picks as being, they are doing a great job of amassing the talented draft picks in this in this class uh, and people that I think have a lot of upside and could really work with the Steelers with what the Steelers are trying to do. That being said, let's take a brief look here at what could be the Steelers' move in the fourth round. I'm not even going to pretend to entertain seventh-round picks. Those are going to be the flyer picks. We'll see them when we see them. But the fourth round pick the Steelers have is 132. It is, I believe, going and uh, making sure I, I have this exactly right. It is the next to last? No, it's the fourth to last pick in the fourth round. But still a fourth round pick to give them a shot at day three. Here are the guys that I have that are still on the board who I think are still reasonable picks. And uh, as far as my big board, they're, the, they're guys who I think the Steelers could reasonably target. Now, I don't know if he'll fall this much farther, but Kelly Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia, who could maybe even move to safety, he's an entertaining guy, but I think he's going to be gone before 132. But who knows? I thought he'd be gone before the end of the third round, too. So there's that. Out of Tamiwa, out of Baware, 
the Northwestern defensive lineman slash edge rusher. Um, you know, I look at him and I and I do wonder why is he falling this far? A lot of people projected him uh, to be a uh, to be an, a, a day two pick, at least a se- as, as early as a second round pick. Uh, this guy's 6'2", 282, ran a 449, um, really athletic, graded well. Um, I, I think it's a mistake that he's not getting picked, but maybe maybe he's another guy to keep an eye on there. Maybe he becomes, you know, your a backup edge rusher if he if he keeps falling down the board. Um, but I have I have him there uh, as my uh, my second guy here that that's available um, there. But then there's but here's where it gets really interesting. And I talked about this potential doubling up on cornerbacks. You got your outside guy. What if you get a slot guy? Keller Ringo's more of, a, more of an outside guy as well. But what if you get a slot guy? And there's some interesting slot guys who are still out there who I think could even still fall to the Steelers at 132. One is Travis Hodges Tomlinson, Danny Tomlinson's nephew, I believe, out of TCU. Small, good ball skills. Uh, good, uh, I think a good slot option who could come in and start right away. Uh, he's a guy I'd have my eye on. He's my third ranked guy on the big on the big board of guys who are left here. Then there's Clark Phillips the third, a guy from Utah who I've also liked. I liked his demeanor and the way he carries himself, but he's also again a guy with good ball skills. Would keep a guy on him. So either one of those guys in the slot, someone that I'm paying attention to. Then two other guys at a position that I think the Steelers could really address with this fourth round pick at edge, Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin and Andre Carter, the second out of army. Both of these guys I think would be incredible value for the fourth round. I think a lot of people were sliding them in, in the third round and uh, looking at how this is played out. I really think that either one of these guys would be good picks. Nick Herbig, of course, brother of Nate Herbig. We know how the Steelers love their brothers, but I also think Andre Carter, uh, his build can be filled out with now, now that he can, he's going to be, if he's drafted in the NFL, he's making commit, to uh, being, uh, you know, b- building his, his body to be an NFL player. He's been, you know, he's he played for Army, so he had to, he was living on, you know, he kind of had to, you know, abide by those standards and that didn't never allowed him to train specifically for football. But now that if he's drafted by an NFL team, he will be able to do that. Other guys, uh, um, Antonio Johnson, safety out of Texas A&M, he's still on the board. Another safety, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State, I believe he's still on the board, unless I missed him. Um, Caillou Blue Kelly, cornerback out of Stanford, a guy with Mike Tomlin ties. Uh, he's he's a guy who's, who's still on the board. K.J. Henry, the edge rusher out of Clemson, he's still on the board. Darius Rush, a top 30 visit for the Steelers, he's still on the board. Luke Weipler, center out of Ohio State, he's still on the board. Um, I believe Dorian Williams is gone, so he's another guy that's off the board. But um, – uh, but I, I just said a whole bunch of names there that all I think would be more than fine picks for what the Steelers are, are trying to do uh, and trying to build for for their for their team moving forward. So we'll it's way too early. The Steelers have the 132nd pick. It starts at pick 103 at noon on us uh, on Saturday. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll probably around like when it gets to like one fifteen. that's when I'll like reconstruct the big board and you can follow again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram to get my, uh, my opinions on where that's going to be. But, uh, um, but when, when we hit like one fifteen, that's when I'm going to like really evaluate, okay, who do I rank here? Um, that could keep slipping down to them and who could be the key things to watch. But again, even without this fourth or this late fourth round pick, these first four picks that have been in the first three rounds, to me, they've been that this has been as good of a draft as far as evaluating it from the just the simple part of the process of the draft that I can remember for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers and my time covering them and uh, even recently watching them. So 
heck of heck of a weekend so far. We'll see how it continues to build out. Continue following us here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Omar's coming, man, and he keeps on coming with more and more hits for the Steelers. We'll have more opinions on everything play as plays out throughout the weekend. We hope that you're enjoying the coverage here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. If you are, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with the show. Do so with a positive comment. You'll get a special shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks again to everybody uh, and uh, for, for checking us out. I'll have more episodes later on Saturday once we – uh, get a roundup of who all their day three picks were. And then, of course, we'll have a full Monday episode breaking down our entire reaction to the draft and getting everything down for you here. Thanks again for checking out the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Find us out. Find us on all of your favorite podcasting apps. Like this video if you see on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel and get all of our daily episodes, including bonus episodes just like this one. Again, I'll be back Saturday wrapping up what the Steelers did on day three of the NFL draft.